wonderful song, good, good challenge. And I remember David when he was at the battle there and he was uh, observing that the soldiers were just standing around and Goliath was making threats. And he simply said, is there not a cause? And church, I want to remind you, there's still a cause to live for. It's the cause of Christ. And we might be looking at the, the climate of the day. We might be looking around and saying, well, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Let me tell you, there's still a cause for Christ. And we need to, we need to just be mindful of that and understand that we, we live for this, uh, for this cause and this generation, and it's our turn. And so it's good to, good to be here this morning. Let's turn our Bibles again to Luke chapter 15 as we read. And I know we were here last week, but just again, just reading through this parable and, and the Lord gave me some, some other thoughts here to share with you this morning. Uh, but I think all of us here would agree that none of us are the same when we're hungry, right? And that's one of the reasons why we thought, well... You know, if we want to just improve the joy and happiness of our church, we better have morning tea, all right? And so I hope that, that you've enjoyed that the last couple. I hope that's been a good change for us as a church. But we're not the same when we're hungry. And uh, all of us, probably some more than others, could attest to that. I, and if it's, not, if it's not food, it's coffee for the lot of you, all right? But uh, I remember one particular day, and, and probably this happens a lot, I just never noticed, but... I came down one morning and I noticed everything. I noticed that there was stuff everywhere, that some of the dishes weren't done and, and began to just start the day that way. I started to go, why is this not done? Why is this? And I started to go on and on. And, and you know, if you know me a little bit, if I can, I can get on a roll, I will get on a roll. All right. So I kept going. I kept noticing every small detail. And, and Jaden pipes up and he's our youngest and he looks at his mum, looks at Azzy and he goes, Dad hasn't had his coffee yet, has it? And he just, he knew, he knew. And I probably should get a T-shirt that says, you know, uh, but first coffee or something like that, or warning, haven't had coffee, you know. And I think there's some people like that, they're just affected by a, a lack of something. And we're going to talk a little bit about a realization that the, the son here, the youngest son made, and it's found in verse 17 where he says, and I perish with hunger. You know, he recognized that he got to a point where he just was empty. Where all of the things that he had pursued, all of the things that he thought would satisfy, actually ended up and he found himself in this position where he was empty. He was just empty. And... and you know, I began to think about that, and, and we read the beginning part of that parable there in verse 11. We know this parable, well, the certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And, and I want you to just understand, be careful when you stop looking at the father and start, start looking at just the blessings. The, the younger son stopped looking at, at the 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 proximity that he had to his father and the blessing of that, and he started looking at the blessings of the father instead. And, you know, we live in a, we live in a society, we live in a, a, a country where there's just a lot. God has given us in his grace all of the blessings of this nation, and we can get carried away with the blessings 
and stop, stop understanding the blessing of just being with the Father. And we can start to pursue those blessings and start to desire those instead. And what you're going to find is eventually when you stop looking to the Father, but you start looking at the blessings from the Father, you're going to come to this point of running on empty. And I think there's a lot of Christians who have, maybe even without any evil intent, have just started to pursue those blessings of, that have been offered by the, the Heavenly Father and in His grace, He's provided, and they've found themselves running on empty. Found themselves pursuing that certain thing and pursuing those things that uh, look so good and look so well, and yet found themselves, like the son did, declaring, I hunger. And you know, when, when, we're, when we're hungry, we understand there's a, there's a weakness to that come a little bit anemic to things. We come a little bit powerless to put in our effort to do things. And we can be prone at times, if you would admit to yourself, prone to even lashing out. And there's even a term for it now, isn't there? Hangry, right? Hungry, angry. And, and we, can, we can be weakened in our, in our ability to uh, even do right when we're hungry. And, and what more when we're spiritually empty. How anemic we can be at times, how powerless we can be at times to resist the temptations and to resist even our own flesh to, uh, to overcome it. And it comes when at times we find ourselves really away from where we should be and we find ourselves in a place of emptiness. And you know, when you decide to leave the place of blessing, you know what God will do? God will actually give you what you were wanting in the first place. I think about the, the nation of Israel, how they long for the former life, and they find themselves, and God said about them that God gave them the leanness unto their soul. And, you know, many times there's a decision made to not be in that place of blessing anymore, not be where God would have us to be, and we find ourselves... Somewhat surprised, but actually not, shouldn't be, in a place of emptiness. And I want to give you four reasons that here that we see in Scripture where he, why he ended up running on empty. And these somewhat can be characterized maybe in your own life if you recognize this, then maybe whether you've, uh, you've intentionally done it or not, maybe you're finding yourself away from the Father. Because that's really where emptiness comes from. And we're going to see a couple of things here um, as we uh, learn this morning through the Scriptures. And we'll pray, we'll ask the Lord to bless, and we'll get into the message this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you again. We thank you, Lord, for emptiness. And Lord, we fill ourselves with other things, and, and yet, Lord, we come away empty. And Father, I know, Lord, that, that for many of us, there's seasons of that, and Lord, we just need help from your word this morning to recognize that in our lives. And then, Lord, to see the solution that you've given us in your word. Pray that you'd help us this morning. I pray that you'd just give us a, Lord, just a soberness in your, that your word, Lord, would just uh, listen into your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would have free course, that your word, Lord, would just show us, Lord, how, how we, we ought to turn things around. And I pray that you'd please just do a work in our lives. Lord, I pray for those especially who don't know you as their Savior, I pray that you'd help them see the great void in their lives, and then help them see how you can fill it, Lord. And 
pray that you'd help us this morning in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so firstly, notice there again in verse 13, he, he's asked for his inheritance. And you know what? The, the Heavenly Father, he has that. He's, he's, he just simply divides it up and gives it to him. And notice what happens. And not many days after, the younger son, son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And, and it just seems to be that the, the, this younger son, he had a plan in his mind. He had, he'd weighed up whether he should stay or go, and he decided, well, I've got an inheritance. I've got my eye on it. I've, I've stopped looking and, and being around my father, and, and all I want is what he has to offer. And so he's taken that, and he's gone, and, and it just seems to be that he just knew where the far country was. It just seemed to be that he already had his sight fixed on it. He already knew where to go and how to live about the, the, the people there, and, and so he, he looked at the promise of this far country and he waited up thinking that that would be far better than the promises that his father had already given him. And what, what we see here, the first reason we can end up running on empty is that we often seek after empty promises. You know, each and every day we, we weigh it up, really. We weigh up whether the things that are alternate to what God is already offering us in, in, in his, that place of blessing is better than what he's already given. And, you know, it looks so good. It was so enticing, and yet what he found was it was empty. And, you know, there, there's uh, uh, my, my kids, sometimes they, they show me YouTube videos from time to time, and they were telling me about the, how all of the fast food restaurants make their food, food look good, right? You know, you, all these ad advertising from Maccas and Hungry Jacks and all of that, the burgers look so good, right? The burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. And uh, some of you affirm that, all right? But you, you, they reveal in this YouTube video how they actually, you know, they, they paint up the burgers. There's actually sponges in there to just hold them up. And there's just, it's what it is, is they're trying to entice you. And then when you get the actual thing, it's false advertising, right? As someone astutely said recently, they said, you know, when you order something from Hungry Jack's, it doesn't really matter what it is. They all taste like Whoppers anyway. <laughs> right? It's true. Try it. But it's false advertising. It's an empty promise. You think it's something will satisfy. You think something is, is as, as, as good as it's, it seems to be. But when you come and actually experience it, it's actually empty promises. You know, he went away from this place of blessing and plenty, thinking he'd get plenty more. Thinking that there's some sort of substitute to what the, the Heavenly Father, the, the Father in, the, in, in this parable was already uh, offering him. And he, he goes away from that place of blessing and plenty, thinking that, that he could get plenty more. And yet, often the Bible warned God's peoples uh, in, in Jeremiah 2.13, he says to the people of Israel, he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They're saying, you know, I'm this fountain of living water. I'm this fountain that is, is, uh, is endless and is an endless supply. And then they go out and they try to figure it out themselves. They try to provide for their own and they think that they can do better and so often we seek after the broken systems around us when actually in all actuality you've already got plenty 
You've already got plenty in God. I think about Naomi who in the midst of a famine in Israel goes over uh, to Moab and he, uh, her with her husband and uh, two sons and they make their living there for a little bit and then she experiences some tragedy. She loses uh, uh, her husband, her, her two sons and now she's got two daughters-in-law and only one of them would stick with her. Her name was Ruth and they go over and you know her mentality was this, I came away empty I came away full, and now I come back empty. But in all actuality, Naomi, Naomi went to this place where God said, don't go there, don't go to Moab for your answer. And she shouldn't have been surprised that she was coming back, actually even emptier than she left. And really, that's, that's, what, that, that's what happens when, when we start to look, not, not at the plenty that we already have in Christ, in the Father's presence, and we start looking into the far country. You know, you're going to start to look and you think, oh, that looks enticing. It seems like it's more fun over there. It seems like there's greener pastures over there. It just seems like they've, they, they don't have any problems over there. What a carefree life. But it's false advertising. It's empty promises, I'll tell you that. You know, you ever talk to someone who went to the far country, went to a place where they, they were way away from the Lord, they knew better, they, they, they understood, and yet they still decided, enticed by the world, and you ask them if it was worth it, no one will ever say it was. If they're honest with you, they'll never say it was. And he sought after empty promises. And you know what we forget? We forget that actually the place with the Father being in close proximity to Him, that's actually what satisfies. You know, in, in John chapter 15, and we want to take the time this morning, but John chapter 15, in, in those first few verses to verse 8, speaks about abiding in Christ. And you know, so often we, we look for other means, other promises to fulfill us, when all actuality, what we need is just a closer abiding. To not take for granted where we're at, with the Lord, so many Christians find themselves trying to fill their lives with promises of success, promises of satisfaction via temporal means, and then you know what they find? They find them lacking. When when I was a uh, just heading into uni, I uh, just had finished high school, and I took a, a gap year. I wouldn't suggest it, honestly, looking back, but I took a gap year, and in the midst of all of that, you know. My whole reasoning to my dad was this, Dad, I need to save money before I get into uni. Now, n never having really, you know, worked, I worked some summers and all of that, but I went into the workforce and then pretty soon I got introduced to, uh, uh, to networking businesses. And, you know, you might do that and you might, be, you might find some success in that, but what also was happening in my life at that point was I had started to drift away from the Lord. I started getting busy with other things and pretty soon I was turning up to church and it was just all through the motions. And what it was, in effect, whether I decided it or not intentionally, I had started to drift away into the far country. So there I was, I was sitting and finally a friend of mine just said, hey, you know, in two weeks you could be earning a hundred grand or some, some absurd promise like that. And so there I was and, and I thought, oh, I'll get into it and so I was sitting, I went through the training with them and, and all of that, and it was, it was fine. But what got me was 
they, you know, part of the, the way to succeed in that, of course, is you develop your network. So here I was, I was working in a retail uh, environment in, in a sports store. And to be honest with you, I had not spoken to any of them about the gospel at all. I just didn't. But then here I was sitting at home and I, I suddenly got everyone's phone numbers and I was calling them to, to ask them to come to my event, this networking business event. And at that moment, God struck me that I had left, I had, I had gone after empty promises. You know what, I, I hadn't even dared to speak to them about the gospel. And here I was, an introvert by nature, going, hey, you want to come to my event? And by the way, it's this and that. And I suddenly found courage in that. And you know what it was? It was just temporal. In, in, in some effect, I was preaching another gospel, actually. <laughs> And there I was, suddenly courageous about this empty thing that really promised much but gave little. And yet, in effect, so many of us do that from day to day. We're, we're courageous about other things, and we're, here we go. And yet, I want to remind you that all of those things are temporal. They'll not last forever. Only those things for Christ will remain. And what we find is the, the he was running on empty because in the first place, he sought after empty promises. He sought after those other means he, that was so enticing and yet was so empty. And yet there's another reason. Notice again in verse 13. Remember he, was, he had been given his spoil. He had given, uh, been given the portion of, that, of those goods, those inheritances that, that was divided to him. And not many days after in verse 13, the son gathered all. He took his journey, he knew where to go, he, he was enticed, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. His, the second reason he found himself empty is that he invested in treasures on uh, his treasures for temporal returns. You know, he lived for pleasure. He wasted, the Bible says, that means to expend without necessity or use. He, it was a loss through negligence. You know what, he squandered all of the blessings that God had given him, that, that the Father had given him. You know, he invested his treasure on temporal returns. You know, we often at times squander our life because we neglect to invest on eternal things. In Isaiah 55 too, he says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness, but you know what it was? He was saying, this isn't bread. You're buying bread that's not bread. You're, gonna, you're, you're, you're following after your own desires. You're following after your, your, uh, your inherent lusts. And he's saying, that doesn't satisfy. You're, you're paying for that. You're investing in that. Uh, I was chatting with someone this week, and we're talking about a little bit of the differences between Sydney and Brisbane. And one of the differences is that in Sydney, we had the Easter show, right? And here we have Eka, right? So I haven't done Eka. I can't compare. I will, Lord willing, at some point this year. But one time, I've only ever been to the Easter show twice, okay? One, because actually the only reason is because it's expensive. So we went, and, and I was, uh, I, was uh, I think I was around 19, and so I, was, I had, had gone out with this girl, so I'm trying to impress her, right? 
So end of the night, we had played games all night, and I had won nothing. All right, just won nothing. I think God was chasing me, all right, because I went to the Easter show. But here I was, end of the night. Everyone was closing up, and, and those, some of you who know me, I, I love cricket. Okay, I love the sport of cricket. And so this sport, uh, this game was based on a, a cricket skill. It was just throwing. And what it was, it was a, it was a cricket ball on a string, what you had to do was toss it one way, and it would had to miss the stumps, but on the way back, it had to hit the stumps. So I said, you know, he said, oh, closing up, five bucks, and you'll get the big toy. I said, okay. So I did it, and first go, I got it. First go. I got it. I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. And he looks at me, and he goes, hey, listen, uh, you want two? I go, sure. He goes, double or nothing. And I'm like, double or nothing? Did you just see me? This is going to be the easiest two large toys. So I gave him 10 bucks, right? So here I go, confident. So I get the, I get the ball, I, I throw it, and it misses the stumps. And on the way back, it misses again. And I'm like, are you kidding? So I surrender my, my toy and, you know, 10 bucks. And he goes, listen, double or nothing. And you know that saying, there's a sucker born every minute. <laughs> I must have been born again because <laughs> I went and for the third time I went and honestly you know I just knew then that that I, I probably shouldn't get into any kind of any kind of gaming because I went about five or six times <laughs> I, I just wanted to impress and it was awful and here's what I'm saying sometimes we invest badly on the wrong things. We think we've got it figured out. We think we've got it all planned out. Well, I'm going to succeed this way. And yet, what sometimes we have in our hand, right, is much more than what we let go of. And we go again. And, and you know, the, the problem is that we're often poor investors. You know, the Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And too many times, you know, the things that God gives us, whether it's our, our financial means, maybe it's our talents and our skills that He's gifted us, part of our inheritance, part, maybe even our, our life school call and all of that. Sometimes we invest even our time in the wrong things. And then we wonder why we find ourselves empty. We wonder why it doesn't seem like we're getting the right returns or the, the kind of returns that we thought we'd get. I mean... I should have ended up with about 10 toys that night. But you know what? It was a poor investment. There was a trick to it, obviously. But you don't, you don't, you don't know sometimes, and, and you go ahead and you go, and just sometimes, just like the prodigal, wastes his living. And you know, he, we often find ourselves running on empty because we've wasted our treasure. And the prodigal wasted his treasure on a lifestyle that brought back no returns except for heartache and sorrow. Temporary thrills that gave no satisfying returns. It was the pleasures of sin for a season. And went about and he was a poor investor. And so he found himself empty. Notice the third thing. Notice again verse 15. 
So he goes on and it's just getting worse. Right? Verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, we read later on when he does return that his brother was out in the field. So probably the thing that the son was trying to avoid was going to labor for the father as well. He was avoiding that somehow. And so rather than laboring there with his father, he went and spent his, his living, the thing that, God, uh, that the father had given him as an inheritance. And yet, what does he find himself again? He's now laboring again in the field. You know what this is? He, he was laboring for the wrong person. He should have been laboring for the father. He should have been laboring alongside his brother. He should have been laboring in that place of blessing. But what he finds himself now is he's joined himself to a citizen of the other country, the far country. And actually he finds himself laboring for the wrong person. And that, that led, him, led him to being empty. The prodigal son ended up joining with the citizen of the far country. And, and you know, it, it's the lot of man. All of us here, the God designed us to labor. But the question is, who are you laboring for? Who, who do you, who's in the, in the yoke beside you? And, you know, maybe sometimes you might be thinking, well, I'm working in the wrong job. Or it could just be that you're just working for the wrong person. You know, I think about uh, Joseph and all of the blessings that, that God, God used Joseph to bring to his people. And in Exodus chapter 1, we know that after several years had passed, there was another Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And suddenly, they were laboring for a guy that just continued to take and take and take. And I often think about that. You know, why didn't, the, why didn't the Israelites leave just then? You know, they find, actually, they voluntarily at that point, before they were taken, they had actually just stayed and just were made their comfort in Egypt. They labored for the wrong person. And sometimes we labor, we're laboring for the wrong person. We're laboring for the taskmaster of stuff the taskmaster of leisure, the taskmaster of prestige. You know, we want to be man-pleasers and we want to work with lip service and eye service. And, and really what it all is, is, is that, that the citizen of the far country can sometimes just be you. You're just serving yourself. And you're just following after. And you know what will you find? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, 20, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. When you labor for yourself, you'll take, you'll take, you'll take. But it just doesn't satisfy. You're never full. It comes to that point where you're just asking, who are you laboring for? I, again, remember when I was starting out in ministry and I was at uni at that point, And honestly, and, and you know, pray for our uni students. It can become... I was so disillusioned with it all. You go and it's a, it, it is, it, I was doing accounting economics and it was still godless. <laughs> and I was bombarded every day and, you know, every day there was an appreciation day for some sort of, you know, some sort of agenda that was just ungodly and then you try to start a Christian 
Bible study and they tell you no. And every day I would go to, go to uni and there would be posters there saying, come to this tutorial, how, how to know the Bible isn't true. That's uni. And you pray for our uni students, but I, I just became so disillusioned with all. I just knew I was there. I was trying to be obedient to my father who had asked me to complete a degree. My heart was in it. I just didn't know. But you know what I was doing? I was doing it for myself. That's really what it was. I was trying to, and I remember sitting with my pastor at the time, and we sat together, and he said, you're still at uni? I said, yeah, you know, I am, and had about a year to go. And he said, listen, um, I, I need someone that is, going, is undertaking a uni degree. I said, what do you mean? He said, um, would you pray about it? I want to start a Christian school through our church. I said, what does that have to do with that? He goes, well, I need you to be, you know, I need you to have a degree. I need you to be then qualified as a teacher. And I want you to just head up that. And I was 21. You know, I was second year uni. I was going into my third year. And I was sitting there going, well, okay. So I prayed about it and I asked the Lord and the Lord gave me that. And, you know, uni changed for me from then on. Because then I had a purpose. Then sitting in that exam and sitting and studying through those things, suddenly it became, well, this is my way to get into the ministry. <laughs> suddenly then it was the Lord was in that and suddenly I started seeing those people that I just got so tired seeing every day. I started seeing them as the souls that I should have been seeing them in the first place. And I remember sitting there and, and just the whole mindset changed. You know what changed? Nothing changed except I started laboring for the right person. And maybe you're feeling like you're just going through and you're just going through the grind of the day and you're just in your role at, your, at work. And, and you know what? Uh, it, it's good for us to just work and labor, right? But it just makes a world of difference if you're laboring for the Lord regardless of what you're doing. It, it just, just the mindset changes. And, and, you know, we ought to labor for God. We ought to labor with God. You know, he says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto man. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We're supposed to be yoked up. And you know, when it comes down to it, our sustenance is found in laboring with the Lord. He, he says, Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And don't forget that we ought to co-labor with God in the work of the gospel. And sometimes we... All we need is to labor in the right thing, to labor for the right person. And suddenly the emptiness dissipates and the filling comes. Suddenly those things that we just thought, well, it's just something to get through. Well, it's something to get through for the Lord. And you could be doing the same thing, just laboring for the right person. And yet what we find about the prodigal was he was laboring for the wrong person and then found himself really found himself empty. And then last thing, look at verses 16 to 17. It says, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave him. By the way, this is a, this is a parable primarily being spoken to to a Jewish audience. Swine, is a, it's, it's, it, it was a disgusting thing to the Jews. 
And you know, when you, when you go away from the Lord, the thing that you hate, you will be. The thing that you hate, you will take part of. And suddenly he's with the swine eating. Now, I don't know if you've ever, ever been near a, an actual pig pen, but it's not the most appetizing area to eat. Right? We, we went to the Philippines a couple of years ago, and it was our first time back. For me, it was 25 years. So it was a culture shock. Went over there, and, you know, the, the people are so gracious. We're out in the far, farm area, and they had invited us. A minister and his family had invited us to their house, and they were living on a farm. And we were eating a pork dish outdoor, and then to our right was the pig pen with the pigs in it. And it was, it was like we were eating. It's familiar food to us. But it was just hard to like go, okay, I'm just eating their cousin right there, you know. <laughs> so, and, and you can imagine the kind of, kind of disgust that, that this, this prodigal would have had eating with the, in the pig pen. And you understand that he was hungry. He was desperate. And what it is, he, he got to emptiness because he found himself fed really with scraps and fodder. It wasn't nutritious. It wasn't fulfilling, but he needed to eat. That's what you're going to find with yourself. You're going to need to eat. And what happens when you're hungry is that often you start to eat those things that aren't nutritious or nourishing. You know, my wife and I have a rule when we do our groceries. Never do groceries when you're hungry. Right? We just, we just have that rule because when we do, it's usually junk food that's in there. You know, it's all our favorite snacks. It's those things, yes, they taste good with our taste buds. They're not good for us. But w that's what happens, though. Spiritually, when we're not feeding on the right things of the, the, under the Father's tutelage, under the the, 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 the word of God was we start to look for other things that we can be fed. And yet the Bible tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And uh, you know why so often you find yourself feeling empty? You've got to ask this question, what are you feeding on? If you're in the far country, you know what you're going to find? You're not going to find the nourishing word of God. You're going to find true isms. You know, I just, it, I find it funny when, and again, you know, I'm not against this. Some people post quotes, right, inspiring quotes. And then they, they put hashtag truth. And I go, no, it's not. I go, it's a truism. It's not truth. The only truth is the Word of God. And I, I'm not mocking if you did that. Please don't be offended, all right? I'm not preaching at you this morning. But I just, I, sometimes we try to replace actual truth with a substitute that isn't actually nourishing. You live a full and abundant life in Christ, and then you feed yourself with the scraps, and maybe even sometimes the scraps of yesterday. I think about the nation of Israel, how God provided them manna, and He said, gather daily. He said, don't save yesterday's. No, He wants it daily. And how, how many of us, they, we just live from Sunday to Sunday, and the only feeding we get is that Sunday morning message or that Sunday evening message. And yes, you can chew on it. Yes, you can go over and over again. But listen, 
All of us eat daily. You need to eat daily in the Word of God. Don't live on yesterday's scraps. Live in today's nourishing. And too many times we're just sort of living day to day and we're not getting the right nourishment. And that's what happens when you're hungry. You eat the first thing you see. Because you have to be fed. So many will just then troll through the internet and troll through every latest self-help guru and suddenly be inspired by some sort of step that you need to take and some sort of uh, philosophy. And then, then you're, the simplicity of Christ is then done away with. Listen, you just need to get in the Word of God. You just need to get in the Word and need to be nourished by it day in, day, in, day out. And, you know, spiritually we can feed on the world's scrap heap of philosophy and, and often it's when we don't feed upon the nourishing words of God. And the prodigal was running on empty. Why? Because he wasn't getting the nourishment he needed. But like I said, you know, sometimes the way God designs it is when you do feel empty, you're meant to action that. And, and finally enough, I'm glad for this because the prodigal in verse 17 says, he comes to himself and he goes, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? He remembered and realized, boy, I had plenty. And then he says, I perish with hunger. You know, the, the rest of the, the story, verses 18 to 24, like we said last week, it was a course correction. He went back. And here's... Here's the solution to your hunger. It's not about looking at all the abundance that God has given you. It's actually about looking to the Father. And you know what emptiness actually is for the Christian life? It's, it's a sign that you need to start looking back and taking a turn back to the Father. It's not to feed on whatever's in front of you. It's actually to say, you know, I've traveled a little bit further away than I realized. I need to turn back and I need to look at the Father. Not look at the, what He can offer you. Look at who the Father is. And be restored. You know, God is looking. We read later on and we won't take the time, but we read later on and the Father was just there. He was looking and a great way off, the Bible says. He runs after Him. You know, we have a God who's willing and able to fill you and feed you and satisfy you beyond what we can hope or imagine. We've just got to take the step back. And we've got to look back and say, you know what? I already had plenty. I don't need the plenty of these empty promises. I don't need the plenty of all of these uh, the, the, the scraps and the fun. I, I don't need the plenty of laboring for another. I don't need the, the plenty of, uh, of that far country. I just need the plenty that my Father has already given me. And the trick to it is this, is actually to just keep your eye on Him. And, and maybe you've just lost sight. Maybe you've just been busy with the abundance of other things. Maybe you've been... You've been going through something and you've been trying to look for other solutions too. But you know, the only solution that we can have is coming back to the Father. 
by, by finding our satisfaction in Him, by surrendering ourselves to Him. And you know what He'll do? He puts on a robe, gives Him gold ring, and He feeds Him. He kills the fatted calf, and He fills the emptiness. And you know what? There, there's a void that is in each and every one of us that can only be filled by God. And maybe here this morning, you do have that void, and it's, it's actually a permanent one. It's actually there, and you just can't figure it out. I want to tell you, maybe you're not saved. And, and salvation will fill you like no other thing will. Salvation fills that, that void that sin has marred you with. And yet the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, He willingly laid down His life. And He's the fountain of living water. He's the bread of life. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And this morning, maybe it's just some time for you to, to turn to Christ and say, Lord, Lord I'm, I'm empty. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. And I need you. Please save me. But if you are saved... Maybe you're recognizing this morning, I am empty. I, I don't even know it, but I've stepped away, and here I am. And I want to encourage you, just look back, and your Heavenly Father's waiting for you to fill you, to, to, to feed you, and to address the emptiness that you have within you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the time. And Lord, how often we are, we're, we're foolish at times to think that there's other means to fill us. And yet, Lord, over and over again, your word just declares to us where we need to be and who we need to look for. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, Lord, be humble before you this morning and perhaps just take that step to coming back to you to repent of, of our waywardness, to repent of our emptiness and to ask you again to fill us. Lord, I'm thankful that, that your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, came to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins, willingly laying down his life so he, the fountain of living water, he, the bread of life, can, can, can address the emptiness that is within. I pray that you'd help each and every one with Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the piano can begin to play. I don't know where you're at with the Lord. I don't know where you're at spiritually. But I want to ask you a couple of questions just with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Firstly, I want to ask you this question. If you were to die today, would you know for sure if your sins are forgiven, if heaven's your home? Is there anyone today just with an uplifted hand just simply say pastor I, I don't know the answer to that I wouldn't know for sure the Bible says to boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth there's no guarantee and I'm not just trying to scare you I'm trying to give you some reality this morning but if you die without Christ then you do a Christless eternity in hell and there will be an eternal void in your life and yet the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Is there anyone here just with an uplifted hand? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's just between you, me, and the Lord. Anyone here this morning? Just say, I see that hand. Anyone else this morning?
Anyone else? And then Christian, I wonder if the Lord touched your heart about your emptiness. Maybe you're recognizing some of these things in your life and you're sensing it and you just want to say, Pastor, pray for me this week. The Lord spoke to my heart. Is anyone this morning? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I see those hands. Thank you. I see those hands. Anyone else? I see those hands. Thank you. All right, as the piano plays, I, I want to ask you, if you raise your hand, if you, the Lord spoke to you, why don't you do business with the Lord, whether it's your seat there, but especially here at the altar, why don't we take our time and just, uh, just make that right with the Lord. If you're not saved, please don't leave this place without knowing for sure how you can be saved. The piano is playing. Let's do business with the Lord this morning.